With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Nassiman Hockey Podcast with James Nichols and John Zella. So John comes on today and tells me right before the show starts, he's like, hey, if you don't mind, I'm just going to get drunk. And I'm a little confused because, buddy, we're uh, we're, we're tied 1-1 going back to Nassau Coliseum. Is everything okay? I didn't say it was sad drunk. <laughs> Maybe it's happy drunk. Maybe I'm so stoked for it to go back to the Coliseum, though. And I'm not going to get drunk. I, I'm almost <laughs> done with a single beer. So I think I'll be okay. Oh, all right, cool. So you're not a lightweight is what you're trying to claim. No, I'm definitely a lightweight, but one isn't it. It's like halfway through the second one, but uh, now I'm tethered now to my microphone uh, with and headphones, so I can't. I can almost reach the fridge, but not not exactly. Yeah. Hey, bud, we uh, passed right over episode sixty last week and didn't even mention that we're sixty episodes in. This being the sixty-first, so congratulations, pal. Yeah, you too. It's been uh, it's been good. Yeah, it's been hard. Like this. I know it seems like we're just like coming on. I, you know, this is obviously not to you, but like to to, to listener, um, yeah, it's 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 not easy. This is a little bit of a grind sometimes, and um, looking forward to some summer. But for now, I'd rather talk Isles hockey. Yeah, absolutely. So let's head over to the on the island. Brought to you by DraftKings. The second round is in full swing, and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot up to $10,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play protocols are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from the wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your own convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. All right, so let's talk about the first game um, over on the island, despite you know the fact that this was at TD Garden. So really, I guess we're in Boston for now. Um, but they dropped the first game, uh, game one, 5-2 against the Boston Bruins. And uh, I didn't get to watch the game. Uh, at first, I went back and I rewatched it later. Um, and the first thing I noticed before I watched it, I was like, wow, Islanders got outshot 40 to 22. Um, it's not atypical for the Islanders to do, but they you know, also gave up five goals. Um, what, what did you see in that game uh, that they got outshot 40 to 22? 
I, I think, and I, I may have mentioned it to you and Joe in our group chat, it looked a lot like one of the games from the Lightning Isles series last summer. It was yeah. just a better team being better, and the Islanders just couldn't, they, you know, usually they bend but don't break, but against really good teams, they seem to, you know, and they did that against the Penguins too. You know, they, I don't want to say they got lucky out of that first round. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, obviously a lot about it last week, but um, they, they managed to figure out how to outplay them. They, they, they figured out a way to just win the games. And that's what Barry Trotz will say at, at every post game. We figured out a way to win. They don't really care if they get outshot 100 to three, if they win two to one. Um, I think as fans, that's frustrating, but you know, either way in this particular game, they didn't really look good. They just got outplayed right. really at their own game. They weren't allowed to set the tempo. Um, the, the Bruins are just really good. They were all over. Yeah. Them. Yeah. So you see here, uh, I have noted the, you know, Pasenak hat trick. Krejci uh, had three assists. Taylor Hall had a goal. I think the first line had a total of six com- combined points. Um, their best players were their best players. Right. And that's the thing. And I was going to ask, you know, is the Bruins obvious superior skill a narrative moving forward? And I ask this because, you know, you think about the skill and, and, and I feel like not sometimes, and, I, and I'm guilty of this, um, you know, you go straight to the forwards and you think about the forwards, but is their superior skill overall outmatched to the Islanders? Like are, are the Islanders defensemen say not skilled enough to contain the, maybe the, the, you know, the perfection line uh, of the Boston Bruins. I think it's going to be hard for them to do that on a consistent basis. They're going to score goals, right? Three is a lot, right? And I forget that it was one player. Think about it as, as the line that they, you know, they were a plus three or a plus four, depending on who the players are on the ice. The Islanders, you know, and, and I don't want to skip ahead to game two, but it's clear they can skate with these teams, right? Yeah, And until, so. until we see the rest of the series, and don't have 2020 kind of like hindsight looking at it. Cause looking back, I'm going to keep reflecting on that lightning series. Cause I think it's important because it was a very clear difference with the capitals and the flyers last postseason, where the Islanders were the better team. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, they lost games, but they were all in OT. Like they were always really close. Like the Islanders right. looked like they were the better team. And even if they lost, they looked like they were playing pretty well. There was, yeah. There weren't there weren't these moments like we saw in the past, and then they get to the Lightning series, and okay, they squeaked out two wins, but I forget what game. Everly scores that two on one uh, with from the pass from Anders Lee to to win it. It was double overtime or whatever. They were lucky to win that game. Like that wasn't like oh the Islanders dominated and they just happened to win two to one. It was they were just trying to bend and not break the entire game. This first game, they they were just like it was like you know that um that gift from the mighty ducks where Averman's like, they're bigger, they're stronger. They have more facial hair. That was, <laughs> that was, it was just this, you know, bes- even beside the point that the Islanders have quite a bit of playoff experience to this point, And they've won a number of series, even the play in last year. Yeah. You're playing a Bruins team that is just, it's in their culture. It's beyond just the players, right? You can just keep inserting them. You know, um, you know, the, the footnote to this is like the opposite. It's true with Toronto. Yeah, they, they do not have any of that. No one has learned how to win. They just keep shooting themselves in the foot. They, I don't know what that is. Just the room is just sour. Something's going on over there. But the Bruins yeah. are the opposite, right? Like they know how to win. There's there's not a point in a series where I would count them out, right? So the Islanders right. have to play like they did in Game Two. 
to to move forward. They play like game one. It's going to be short. Yeah, I mean the thing about the Bruins too is when you when you think about it, they're they're the Islanders just better. You know, they play they're the same, more experienced. Not even just the, the experience, because you know, take away Krug, take away uh, uh, Chara. Now you have just you know Bergeron and, and Marchand who have been there, and Krejci who has been there for the majority of you know their postseason runs. But everybody else is throughout that lineup is is kind of newish and and Pasenak but they're is always in the game they're always in, True. The, in the postseason so it's but, they, they they it's it's good experience every single year and yeah you, even just skating with those guys for a few years you kind of pass that torch Bergeron essentially right. you know, is more or less I mean if he wasn't already always the captain if it wasn't for Chara you know what I mean like yeah it's I think they just have it in the room and it's a culture it's the coaching it's the organization it's right. the fans well, like it's know, just my, this whole thing my point to that though is we have the same culture and consistency just less skill you know they have that perfection line they have that line that's going to take over a game you know you can you can almost compare Krejci and Taylor Hall's you know, uh, as as a second line to our second line uh being that of Bavillier, Nelson and, and Bailey that that's a skill line for sure but you know it as can far be as- I think it's the it's the, there's a huge difference in the consistency and we'll, you know, well, right. That might be the key word, right. You know, for the, and it's a small sample size for hall over in Boston. So you don't really know how much consistency he'll have. He's never played an, with someone like DeBrusque on a consistent, on a, on a regular basis. Cruel, so Krejci. I think this is or, yeah, whatever. So Krejci, he's never played with a guy like that within a room. That's going to prop right. him up and be there for him and support this him is, when he isn't scoring goals. Yeah. Like the Islanders don't, if someone's not going like, they're, they did that in game two. Yeah. Right? And they're starting to kind of do that in the playoffs where these, you know, Barzell, and we'll talk about him later, isn't going. So yes. these other guys are stepping up and they're all, they are finding a way to win these games with secondary scoring. Yeah. So the, the Bruins' big guns are getting it done. You know, Taylor Hall's for the first time playing in a winning culture and it's working for him. And, you That's know, right. I, I don't know why everybody's shocked by this, but, you know, it, it's happening. When is he? with anybody exactly yeah with any amount of spoilers on the oilers uh, coyotes right in theory yeah they had the skilled players but they didn't have the 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 players with the experience to go on deep runs in the playoffs so they never really made it anywhere this is the first time taylor holt made it out of the first round this is the first the first time he's been in the second round so you know that after the first two lines you know there's a little bit of a drop off besides charlie coyle who we'll talk about a little later in game two um, but you know, look at now you look at Sorokin, he gives up four goals against, and that's the first time in his five starts he had given up four goals um in the playoffs. I don't want to say that he looked bad because I don't think it was on him in, in game one. I think that he made the necessary saves, maybe not the saves that he are not supposed to make, like he had been in the first, you know, couple of games against the Penguins. Those momentum changing saves. Right. Right. The knob your stick, the the skate, like like in the Penguin series, he was doing that. Yeah, um, but you know, Especially a lot of it, five. a lot of it had to do with the Islander blue line. The the blue line didn't look that great at all in, in Game One. Um, you know, Pelik and Pulak are always pretty good. Uh, after them, it, it's hit or miss. Uh, and, and I thought Nick Letty, he, and he's been and he continues to have a really bad postseason. I don't know what's going on with him. He's not skating. Um, He's not skating, and and for some reason he keeps flubbing on passes. Like it's weird. Like there's a hole in his stick. You know, he tries to he tries to pass the puck off, and, and he flubs on it. Or 
it's just not a strong, confident pass, and it's getting intercepted, or, or you know, it's it's landing on the the stick of a, of the opponent. So I'm not really too sure what's going on with Nick Letty right now because he did have such a fantastic uh, uh, regular season, um, and he kind of like switched roles with Scott Mayfield, who's playing fantastic. I, yeah, I think he's his play is definitely evened out. Letty, not so good. I, I think game two looked a lot better for him. I don't, you know, game one was everybody was like. The, the what the, the going back to your original question, I think the Bruins are just a team like the Lightning and any really good team that's just going to exploit whenever you make a mistake. And yeah. the Bruins just like four or five times in that game, I forget if, if there was an empty net goal or I think maybe I got aggravated and turned it off or something. Uh-huh. But at, at least four times for what I saw, they were just every time the Islanders made a mistake, it was going the other way every single time. And in game two, it was the opposite. The Islanders were finding a way. Um, and as, but we saw the Bruins came back. I turned, you know, I went into the right. kitchen for, you know, a few minutes and came back and I was like, what happened? Right. How did this, how did it become, how, how did they tie the game? You know, and that's a team. I think, you know, as you said, it's, that was, you know, a very good comparison that the Bruins are just the Islanders in the future. The Islanders can continue yeah. to win these postseason games and, and series. Yeah. Um, you never count the Islanders out for the most part. If they're within two goals. It's it's doable to get them to OT. Like they'll they can usually make it happen. Um, but you know, so the same thing goes for the Bruins. This is gonna these are really gonna be tight games as long as the Islanders play well. Yeah, you know this this series just oozes Game Seven, and if it gets there, you know it's gonna be a battle. This whole this whole series is gonna be a grind and. You know, whoever comes out of that that lightning uh, hurricane series has got to be licking their chops because that that's a that's a skill series. I don't know how much they're going to bang bodies over there, but in this series, they're going to bang bodies. Um, you see it, you're seeing it already. There's tons of hits already being thrown around. I think the Canes are a little tougher. Look at how they played the Islanders a couple seasons ago. Yeah, they, they were they beat the Islanders at their own game too. There, yeah, they were, they were no joke. And I think you know personnel changes and you know probably since then, but. I don't think the philosophy changed. You know, coach is still no. the same. A lot of the main guys are still there. Their goaltending is shaky. I don't, I, you know, we'll talk about that series later. Yeah. Yeah. I just think they're a little more run and gun than they are, you know, grindy like these two teams can be. Well, these are playoff. Um, these teams play playoff hockey all the yeah. time. And that's the difference. They're, when they get to this point, it's, yeah. it's just doing what you got to do. Uh, the one silver lining in game one, though, was that uh, Anthony Bavilia continued to stay hot. Um, and the Islanders' uh, power play got going a little bit on his. Uh, he opened he opened the scoring for the for the series uh, with the first goal uh, of the game in Game One uh, on the power play uh, deflection. Very nice deflection by Bovillier. Uh He's just he's got a hot hand right now. He he's he's playing real well. Um, so if there is any silver lining to Game One, I, I thought Bovillier looked looks and continues to look real good. He has speed that they, uh, the Bruins really don't have an answer for, which is why I think, and we'll talk about them, I, which is why I think that third line is, is successful right now. Yeah, let's talk about game two uh, where the Islanders flipped the script and they, they won uh, 4-3 in overtime. Um, and the shot count was much better uh, and much closer. You know, Still outshot, but only by four. Uh, yeah, that's that's like an error if you didn't see it. Like sure, guy, yeah, you know, Bruins were at home. Maybe they give them a yeah. couple extra that were going. And I, I did feel like at the beginning of of the first period, uh, the Islanders had only like maybe two shots seven minutes in, and I oh, I it, was it was not pretty. 
It wasn't pretty to start the game, I'll say that. No, it wasn't a pretty start to the game, but I thought there was a questionable few uh, uh, shot attempts that could have been counted as shots. Um, but nevertheless... But uh, before before you move on, really quick, I will give some credit, and I, I have not done this in the 10 years that NBC Sports has done the broadcast, but oh, I will boy. give um, Joe Micheletti, former Islanders broadcaster, for those who you remember, for those of you who will remember, my goodness, maybe the beer's really getting to me, <laughs> he he does he john forslin and joe micheletti do keep going back to high danger chances are still close high danger chances are still close and even in that first game for a while they were really close so the islanders are getting those chances and they're and they're limiting the other teams um the difference is the bruins will find a way to capitalize at some point right but the honors yeah. where they keep saying where it counts where it counts and i think yeah. that's really important as we move forward, if the if the shots aren't forty two to thirty nine, if they yeah. are, I mean, two straight games of forty shots against Trotz is probably not happy about that. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's actually a, that's a good point too because the uh, the acting third member of NHP actually just tweeted something out the other day about about uh, NBC. Um, I think it was for Game Seven, and before the game he started, he was talking about you know, oh, Sidney Crosby, this Evgeny Malkin, that. And now let's go talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning series. And it was like, wait a minute, what about the Islanders? 31 thoughts so. was like that. I got really, and I'm not one of these, and it's, it's so funny that you brought this up because I thought about it and I, I, I honestly forgot. I don't want to be one of these Islander fans. That like, where's my national attention for the, because right. I don't care, right? Like Islander fans, like the best, and I'm, this is not because we're included in this at all, but like the Islanders media, I don't care. Yes, I consume, I'm a huge hockey nerd. I'm going to consume all that. I listen to too many podcasts. I barely have time in the week to do it especially because i don't commute anymore right i have have no time for this but you know i consume it i read it all day athletic all this kind of stuff and like i really don't get bent out of shape at the amazon included because they're just they're not and that's fine and i i don't as long as they're not bashing the honors all the time i fine this isn't like zinn and kanapka years ago (laughs) being like you know fuck you tsn Um, which was fantastic. Please go look that up. This is like 2011. This is the fight prior to the fight night, if I'm not mistaken. It was like around that same time. I think you're right. I, I know what you're talking about. And, you know, but I was listening to 30 Month Thoughts. And in the beginning, Jeff Merrick was like, oh, we're going to talk about the honors and their fans. They made that, you know, they made 5,000 seem like 20,000. Yeah. And it was really, I was really amped up. I'm like, you know what? This sounds like just like, even if it's a brief little conversation, because they don't often talk about the honors, mainly because Lou and, doesn't give out information and Elliot Friedman has nothing to riff off of. So it's, I'm not surprised on that particular show that they don't talk about the Islanders, but I was, they did do, they did exactly what NBC did. It was like, well, what about the penguins? Are they going to have to retool? Are they going to trade any of these guys Are Malkin and Crosby going to retire penguins? And I'm like, that's, there's yeah. still hockey to be played. There's like yeah. another team in that series. That's going to continue to play hockey. I, I and, and you're worried too. about this weird, off-season thing it just didn't make any sense to me and i'm not right. like i said i'm not that fan that's like where's my team you're no talking about my th- i'm only going to listen when you talk about my team no but you're you're a but, true hockey fan and there's more hockey to be played so why are we not talking about what's coming next but they do it all the time it's when it's a certain team and it's like certain players you know it's about toronto and it's about pittsburgh and it's about chicago hasn't been anything for years and it's like well i, I don't i don't want to hear about these teams yeah, I, they're, they're, I don't know season problems. It's not right now. Talk about the playoffs right now. I don't know. And, and we're getting sidetracked. So this is gonna be the last thing I say about it. But I don't know that if when the Islanders officially move into the UBS arena, if they become 
a middle market team to maybe a big, uh, a large market team. And, and if that changes things, because I feel like maybe that has something a little bit at least to do with it. Um, I think it depends on, on how this series goes so that you can point to, you know, they got to the second round for three years in a row, or they made it to the Eastern conference final two years in a row. Yeah. They play, you know, if they make it to, you know, they lose in overtime in game seven, I, it's really hard to not argue. They didn't make it to the Eastern conference final for all yeah. intents and purposes. So I think it matters like how they go out. If they get swept the rest of the way. It's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to keep them in the conversation, right? They're, they're not a team that's drawing a lot of money. They're not worth a lot of money. It's, it's kind of tough. Those big markets, if they're well, that, like the lightning, right? Like they got a really, the lightning were just really, really good. And they, they, they weren't just beating expectation. They were the bar. Other teams had to right. meet the lightning. The Islanders are not that right. Like, well, they're the team that are going to beat the numbers and they, you know, they keep showing up. They're, they're, a they're a ratty team. They they show up whenever you know when you don't want them there. Yeah, and, and they and they play well, right? Like when you when you least expect it. And I don't I don't know. I I think it raises them quite a bit. I think the press are going to be really impressed with it. The 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 linchpin to this, and I like this point. That, you know, I like that you brought it up, brother. The, there's an opportunity there when the press are just going to have a better experience, and then to watch the Islanders and have them play well. Right. They're going to have their attention. So right. forget, almost forget about this playoff series, right? They'll talk about it regardless right. of how it turns out the rest of the way. But you're, you're going to have their attention. The arena has to be killer. And you've said that, you know, even the bones of it look great. But they have to play well there, right? Yeah. Like the, the game experience is one thing, but they have to play well. Yeah. And that's going to be the difference. They're going to have the attention right. and the eyes and ears of the hockey world. You have to make it worth it. They right. have to go I, I don't and, foresee and, that changing either. You know, Trotz isn't no. going anywhere, and 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 you know, Lou's still going to be around. So I think the winning culture is going to stick. I think the bigger, better, state of the art arena is going to make them, you know, maybe a more relevant team in the, in the media because maybe they're going to bring in more money. Look at all the sponsorships that I keep. You know, if they to, win, they have but, to win. That's right, my they're going to have to win, can, and I. You're going to have it for that first year. but Well, right. And I think that's what's going to stick. I think the winning is going to stick. Look at all the sponsorships I keep tweeting out that they keep emailing me about. You know, Heineken and, and, and all, you know, now there's a, also a bunch of local um, Long Island sponsorships as well. But, you know, these big name sponsorships are, are huge for them. Those are money makers. Yeah. So you, you might be looking at a, a small market team or, I guess, medium market team, um, you know, moving up a notch. And, and you know, the fans, they, they, I know, you know, this is, you know, COVID's almost gone or, or, you know, whatever, but, and everybody's get back in the stand. So maybe it's just the initial rush, but you, know, you can, you clearly see what Islander fans can do. And when there's going to be 17,000 of them there, it's going to be an experience. So maybe yeah. they become this uh, large market team or am I saying that right? Is it large market, big market, big market teams? I think they move, they definitely solidify themselves in that middle. For sure, middle for sure. Yeah, I right. mean, it's it's you know large market teams. You're going into the Boston's and the right. Rangers and all that stuff, right? Um, but they move, Long Island is going to be a destination again. I, I mean, for then you're talking about free agencies and free agents and different things like that. It's a good yeah. question. It depends if they if they really give the Bruins a run for it. Yeah, 
and also, you know, the side note to all this, especially with free agency, is who there's a whole lot of other questions to answer between. But did now it already and start? You have, I mean, Sorokin if, who came over, that might have been the start. Sorokin, Pajot signed right away. Pajot, right. Maybe, maybe if Palmieri stays. We'll see now that's that. you know he's having he's having a playoff series. He's you know as a playoff uh, run here. Yeah. That's really oh, yeah. good. Um, it's it's possible that he's back with Anders Lee. It's a different lineup, you know. Like, yeah, we're we're getting into off season mode here, uh, pretty pretty <laughs> yeah. quickly. But it's something to be excited about. I see. I definitely understand your point. And if it's yeah. a roster that presumably will look like this, minus a player from the expansion draft, unless some kind of deal is done, I'm confident they're pretty good. And I, if there's a free agent to be had, that's going to boost the middle six or whatever yeah. the case is going on. Yeah, I'm. I'm and if you got to remember, Wallstrom isn't played. In game, so that's like true. that's he's going to come back into the lineup. You got youngsters on D that yep. could be um, coming up. Um, so the roster probably won't look; it'll look as different as it did from nineteen to twenty, right? And yeah. Very subtle differences, and and kind of rookies coming up. And yeah, I had three rookies in the lineup this year, which is kind of crazy considering big. how far they've gotten. Real big, and they've all kind of played well, right? Wallstrom is a little streaky. Dobson's getting sheltered minutes. Sorokin. You help them win a playoff series, right? Like that's right. as advertised. So it's it's a pretty good year for all the rookies involved, and the fact that they've made it this far, and that we're you know still podcasting about the playoff run. Yeah, it, you got to be happy with it. Remind me to ask you before we close the show a uh, free agency question. But for now, let's get back to game two. Uh, let's just recap again because it's been a few minutes since we talked about it. Um, you know, again, the Islanders win game two, four, three in overtime. The shot count was much better. Uh, and closer, forty-two to thirty-nine in favor of the Bruins. And again, that's that could be a minor mis uh, miscalculation. It could have easily been uh, even. Um, one thing of note is Barzell is still not a factor, in my opinion, on the score sheet. Game two was his best game by far. The first line was buzzing. Even Leo looked good. Komarov was out there making uh, passes that I was like, okay. The, that was a nice, crisp, confident pass. Um, you yeah, know, a, f- a few nice shots on that rebounds. Few, yeah, the the one thing that gets me crazy about him is, and and we're spoiled because of you know what we used to have in his spot, which was Anders Lee. There are many times where he's in front of the net and he can't get a handle on the puck to put the sh- a shot on net, and it you know trickles to the side of the net or it trickles away. But listen, it's that's not who he is, and he's doing what he can. That line was buzzing. Uh, in game two, um, they, they looked better. They looked a lot better. For I think sure. for Barzell, it just comes down to a little bit of bad puck luck. And he's gripping the stick too tight. You saw that that breakaway chance he had against Rask. He sent it right over the net. It, it was tough yeah. to see, but he's getting his chances, and he looks good out there. He's making nice plays. He's getting some room. I yeah. think that's the difference in game two. Is in, and it, it happened in the Penguin series too. They They were giving him nothing. Right, and the difference was, and why it was less noticeable was the Islanders were doing the same to their stars. In this series, their best players are being their best players, in the in the on the Bruins. So yeah. it makes it it shines an extra light on Barzell when they keep putting these graphics up of you know first line centers and this and that, and Barzell has a a bagel next to his name with the goals. Yeah, it's tough, you know. Uh, you, you, sometimes you can't argue with that. They definitely looked better. They definitely had their chances. There was one shift Everly had two or three shots yeah. early in the game and then yeah. kept kind of getting them. Um, are you like 
when you watch Kamarov on that line, are you getting as frustrated as I am? Just like the thought of like, I can't believe that this well, is the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, exactly like I said before, like, you know, those opportunities where he was, and for the first time, I think in game two, he solidified himself in front of Tuka Rask uh, or any goaltender throughout the, the playoffs thus far. He solidified himself in front of Tuka Rask, and he's trying to be that distraction. He's trying to, you know, maybe the whole get a team's doing deflections. that. They're yeah, doing that was really on good the power play. That's been their success with all Wander goals, right? But yes, to answer your question, I'm getting frustrated because I and, and I'm not getting frustrated at him. I'm getting frustrated because there's no other option. He's doing the best he can, but he's not that player to finish, and it's just not happening. He's not a skill player. He's a, a fourth line checker. It's. It's an unfortunate and he's not situation. doing that enough on this line. But he's not making but enough room out there. He clearly wasn't in game one. Like you saw Barzell not have that room. It's, and it's it's hard because is he supposed to do that? And then does that take away from the skill from Barzell and Eberle that they're supposed to you know manufacture? It, it's tough. It's like you have one gear at a place and the whole machine's broken. And that was my issue with the team really the last two postseasons. It was like you, you were missing a guy here and there, uh, even during the regular season. And this, like the wheels, it's the, the whole the whole car's wobbling at, at yeah. a certain point. You're like, I, how is one guy like I get you make the car right? And you're like, these are all the pieces that you need to have to make this thing work right. Of course, if you remove one, it's not right. right. But to not even just have a spare that's going to get you to where you need to go. We've all they had a wanted that. Somewhere. They wanted that to be key for Bellows. They tried it a couple of times. Well, that's a good. I don't. I, I don't mean to cut you off. Do you think so? Zajac's played well. I don't think we could take that he away has. from him. He played very well. Walshin's ready for Game Three. Do this we, is going to be a question I had for you too. Do we? Do we? <laughs> do do we? Like uh, it's me and Barry Trotz in my bedroom making the decision. Do do the Islanders those Barry Trotz put him back in and then and say. First line, you got to get going here. Like, let's let's give you guys a shot together. Do, does he put Walsham on the first line to get them going? If Zajac's playing no. well, no, doesn't happen. Even even he if he doesn't you throw trust show up there sometimes, no, like you doesn't. give him you give him you, you give him offensive zone starts. If they're in the defensive zone on icing or something like idea. that, you, you you put Zajac out there. You put Pajot out there. That's what I'm saying. You keep Zajac in the lineup as like the safety. Or something where you can throw him up there every once in a while, or you could throw Clutterbuck up there, whatever, whatever you want. If there's like a specific reason, but I don't see my issue is that the, the power play is going strangely without Wallstrom. You can add him in there and then and have an, an additional threat. Yeah, why not do that? I don't see it happening. I, say this I, like I know why he won't do it, but right, he, he just doesn't trust them to give him those no. elevated minutes. And as much as we hate to admit that it's the truth i don't know how well he'll do with you know from moving from 12 minutes a night to 18 19 minutes a night what well, i'm saying give um, him sheltered minutes don't don't put him out there all the time Peugeot wants the minutes yeah. so eat it up throw him out there every once in a while you do it anyway do they also want to move him out of his natural right wing position does that factor in at all is it a major change for him does it stunt his development I mean, I, I think the problem is that if they lost game two, maybe the fact that they won game three with the lineup means even I feel like if Wallstrom's healthy, I think it's a bigger discussion. Because Ajax the, playing well, but I think he, Wallstrom does get back in at a certain point. On the flip side, just, you know, on, on the flip side of that, I also think about his spot on the power play. And it's basically the left wing position. So what's the difference? He's scoring goals there. 
And that's what I mean. It, it, you're setting him up. Yeah. Or and he has the he's got great vision. You just got to give him a chance. If it's you can, an, if Barzell can come in with speed and give Walsh the, the opportunity to either take a shot or have the vision to dish it back, get it to the net, find it, find it, I believe, find the point. Yeah. I think it could really work. I mean, that's probably just like a forward that plays with Barzell, right? Like, yeah. I don't think that's just Wallstrom. But Wallstrom happens to have really good vision. I think that's what makes him yeah. a double threat on the power play is that he does, he can find that he can make the puck through that seam pass. Like, he, he has that ability. To put it at five on five, yeah, it, you you just kind of create a, a better opportunity. Like it's it, an it's, awesome it's idea. Super hard for me to like. I I know why he won't. And you're absolutely yeah. right. It's a trust thing. It's a defense right. thing. It's a Komarov's not doing anything wrong. He's just not doing. He's not a liability. But they're not. He's not helping them. Right. Kind of achieve the thing. And that's what I'm frustrated right. about. I'm like, ah, it's the playoffs. Like, take a risk. You're you're playing a really good team with a with a really heavy top six. Like, yeah. You got to do something or late in the game. Like, if you're gonna have Wallstrom back in the lineup and take Zajac out at a certain point, throw Palmieri up there, throw Walsh. Like I'm so, I'm so, it baffles me that yeah. even down in that in game one where they weren't playing well, you didn't see any of that. And it was so frustrating. Yeah. I'm going to say it's not going to happen. Now talk you're, to me. You're absolutely right. Talk to me next season. I think there's a possibility you could see first line, maybe second line Wallstrom. I wonder. I don't know. As of right now, I, you got to see how Lee comes back and everything like that. We're not going to, you know, that'll be an off-season discussion we have more in depth. But you got to see how Lee comes back. Um, you have to see if he, if Wallstrom takes another step forward in the off-season, solidifies himself as a, a pure goal scorer uh, in in the in the league, and that's that's going to help boost the Islanders' uh, offensive production. Um, but like I said, that's a question for another time. Um, when Wallstrom comes back, I do expect him to come back. I don't expect him to be healthy, but you know, sit up in the rafters. We're doing well right now. No, I see him coming back in, um, probably for Zajac. I God, think he's playing good though. He is playing well, but I I almost wonder if that's he's playing well because he's he does well at at this point in his career in spot starts. I mean, that's Trotz is not exactly um, line matching, but he it's no. He makes he makes sure the players are out there to yeah. set them up for success. So yeah, but that's every that's every player. That's that's all the time. You know, there's a and and I think Trotz picked up from other coaches with the fourth line after a goal, whether a for or against, because it's just momentum. You either got to yeah. get it back or you got to keep it. So I, there's all these little things. Like I don't know. It's yeah. It's we'll all, see how we'll see how chess. that shakes out with Wallstrom. Listen, if he comes back on the first line and Trotz trusts him up there, I'll. I'll be very happy, but I don't see it happening. But uh, he did say he he is a possibility. He meaning Trotz. Trotz did say uh, he is a possibility for Game Three Thursday night. So Absolutely. we shall see. Uh, Samir Varlamov played real well in uh, Game Two. What'd you think? Definitely had his head back on straight. Whatever oh, injury yeah. was nagging him that he wasn't able to kind of focus or whatever was going on, um, he's back. He looked really calm, cool, and collected. Yeah. No exaggerated movements. He wasn't. Um, I, again, like I said, I missed those two Bruins goals in the third period, so I, I don't. I don't know what happened on them, but um, yeah, I'm not. I wasn't worried about him long term. Again, like we say a million times, like he didn't forget how to play hockey. But it was nice to see him kind of back. 
Um, so, and I felt bad for Sorokin that maybe Varlamov resolidified his spot, but yeah, um, it's good to know that both of them can kind of step in when listen, the other one's not playing well. It's a strength. It's it's a bad problem. It's a it's a good problem to have. Um, now here's the thing: the game starts. The first shot of the game for the Bruins ends up being a goal. Charlie Coyle puts on a move. Uh, albeit beats Nick Letty, and it wasn't a great read by Scott Mayfield. He probably should have played uh, between the between the dots, and and he let him get behind. Uh, he let Charlie Coyle get behind him, but and Letty doesn't get beat like that. Typically. Right, like, he's a really agile guy, and he it seemed like he just got walked. Right. So at the beginning of the game, I I almost said to myself, well, that's a save that you you want him to make to get them going. Right. One of those saves that maybe he's not supposed to make. It was probably savable, but, you know, maybe it was a little bit of, all right, I'm back in nerves, you know, could have been a little bit of that. But after that, he was dialed in. Um, I would love to see in game three a, a goalless first period for him, at least, because those those early shot, those early goals that he's been given up are, are they, they're, they're crucial and, and their momentum swings. And, you know, especially at the Nassau Coliseum, they he, take the wind right out of the crowd sails so you want to see him make those early saves and and build the confidence for the players in front of him um however he was very good from then on out uh played like the Semyon Varlamov we all know um I still have to look back at the Marshan goal because I I can't tell if he was screened or not but I do feel like if he wasn't screened that's a very savable shot no, no OT is necessary uh, if if he makes that save. Uh, I don't. I, I have to go back, like I said, and, and watch it again. I'm not sure if he was out of position. Um, maybe he was a little deeper in his crease. But that Marshan shot, glove side, uh, in my opinion, I think it. I think it could have been saved. I don't know. Did you see it? I don't. It was I, on the I, power I, play. I, I have to go. I mean, on those chances, they're. You're you're giving even if even if he did see it straight on it just beat him clean. I the the, the Bruins are going to get if if you're giving a player a clean shot towards the net and it's their power play. It's there's a really good chance it's going in. Honestly, goaltending is really good. The defensively doesn't let those opportunities kind of present themselves. But if you give the the Bruins time and space, like Pasternak's three goals, yeah, in game one, like he had so much time yeah he did you know he's on one of them he was able to like step towards the middle and just essentially you know stroking came out and challenged a shot and Pasternak just had a lot of patience and poise and and took a half a step towards the middle and just beat him clean yeah you know it's you're giving him too much space and and Marshawn you can give him all the shit in the world for being a rat but he's good yeah it's really hard to deny that and you know he's perfected his craft he has for sure Unlike a lot of other players in the league, and that maybe we'll talk about that if we have some time later. But Tom yeah, Wilson. it's yeah. Well, Tom Wilson, Ryan Reeves, um, all that kind of like it's it's disgusting. But and as much as I you know wish he got more than a fine, if he got fine at all for the licking thing, yeah, you know, he he has these little cheap shots. He knows how to ride that line. He doesn't do much stupid shit anymore. But then he goes and scores goals. He's a, you know he's a really good player. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good 30 player. goal, 30, 35 goal scorer. He's he's very good. 100 point guy. Like he's yeah. score, it's 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 crazy how quickly he turned things around. It's yeah. actually insane. Yeah. Uh the third line has been out freaking standing. Like you mentioned before, Travis Ajax's been really good. 
Kyle Palmieri's having a series, uh, or he's having a playoffs. And JG Peugeot is once again proving to be that playoff performer that we acquired him for. Uh, it's not just against the Rangers anymore. He just does it night in and night out. Uh, imagine we had a podcast. I should know this. Does he lead the Islanders in scoring, or is he tied with Bavillier at least? I think there's, there might be a three-way tie going on right now. Uh, Pajot and Bavillier have nine points apiece. Um, yeah, there it is. Bavillier, Bailey, and Palmieri have four goals apiece. There it is. So, yeah, third line's been outstanding, and the secondary scoring plus Casey Zizekas, his goal uh, that that secured the victory last night. Uh, you know, that, Bavillier, that play, Sorry, Bavillier, Bailey, Palmieri. Did I say that? Yes, they have four goals. Okay, four goals I, thought I, I thought I said Pajot on accident. I was going to be really embarrassed. No, no, no. Um, that that play last night to win the game. Uh, Sezikis is is pinching the blue uh, the the Bruins blue line. Uh, and and a pass gets deflected by another Bruins skate and lands on the stick of Sezikis. Saw a lot of comments on uh, you know from Bruins fans and not dogging them or anything, but. You know, oh, lucky, uh, lucky for the Islanders, they wouldn't have won that game if if Suzikis, uh doesn't find the puck on his stick. And listen, is that half as, of the goals scored in the NHL every year? As much of a gift as it was, he still needed to be in the right position to be able to do that. So he did his job, and it worked. He so, made someone, the, especially their role, but a lot of hockey in general is just right. making the other team make a bad play. Absolutely, and he pressured the point to make a yeah. bad play. And he did. And yeah. then, yeah, he found the puck on a stick after doing right. two of the right things by not, you know, flying the zone and not, you know, he, he was, he was poised in that position. He wasn't just going to cruise out in the neutral zone after, he, you know, my coaches say a bus turn after you, after the puck goes by, he, he was ready to, and he's a good, he's good about it. He'll stop and he'll come back into the zone instead of fly out. Yeah. He, I think he did the right thing. He forced him to make the bad play. Right. Yeah, and it and bounced let's not back forget. on a stick. Yeah, he kind of made that happen, though. Let's not forget, too. He also had Tuka Rask waiting for him on the other side of the ice, who's one of the best goaltenders in the past, right. what, almost 10 years? So he had to still beat Tuka Rask. So uh, great play by Sezikis. Turned the Jets on. He knew that, uh, I think it was uh, Lausanne, was uh, you know coming on coming on right behind him. Um, I think he's, he's uh, 55. Not more, that, not Johnny Boychuk. Is that Lazar? Lazar? No, no, that's that's is that a different guy. A forward, yeah. This is Lazan. Uh I believe that's number fifty-five. I could be wrong. Uh, you can tweet at me and yell at me if I if I am. We're wrong not we're not a Boston Bruins podcast. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care about the Boston Bruins defense. Yeah, but uh, the secondary scoring is coming in clutch, especially like we said. You know, Barzell's still not on the score sheet too often. Um, so uh, and and the whole first line. So. Uh, it's definitely necessary, but I have that feeling. We're it's, back at back at the Nassau Coliseum. It's coming, I think. But as I keep saying, you know, the, even without Barzell going, and Bavillier scored the goal, and that's great. The power play is going three for six, fifty percent out of nowhere. You know, I guess tweeted out yesterday the Islanders' power play is into the chat, <laughs> right, which I think is really important. Um, it's the secondary scoring. Yeah, that's what's going to win you games. Yeah. If the Islanders can find a way to shut down the Bruins' top guys, just prevent one or two goals that are coming from them because they're the ones scoring these goals. Yeah, they do not have an answer for them in the bottom six. The Islanders, on the other hand, absolutely do. 
Yeah. And that can be the difference. It's interesting because it's like a mismatch, right? The Bruins top six is superior to the Islanders top six, whereas the Islanders bottom six is superior to the Bruins bottom six. Absolutely. I mean, and they have the structure to boot. So right. it's, you, you have these, you know, skilled guys that are really smart hockey players executing a great structure with a coach and a good defense. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be really good. So if, yeah. if Barzell and that even even the Nelson line or whoever's out there, whom, whomever rather is out there against the top six of the Bruins, if they can just be a net zero, win every shift, um, or again, one goal from them, it's going to happen. Pasternak is really good. If you take a penalty, yeah. they're going to capitalize on it. The one goal is not a big deal. Right. They're capable of scoring. They, they've scored... Um, they scored three or more goals in a bunch of games in this play in these playoffs. So it's they're obviously capable. They put four past Rask. Yeah, that's no small feat. No, it's not easy so, to do. So I think if, if they can kind of if the approach can just be shut down the top two lines, third line keep going, chip in on the power play. I, I think you're. I think the Islanders can actually win this series, but they yeah. they can't. We as fans as the team, they cannot sit there and go, "Well, Barzell's got to be a factor." He right. could be a, a, a factor if he's playing good defense and he's not being a liability. That's what uh, I like. That's what I would like to see. So the power play, like you mentioned, is fifty percent, three for six in the series, uh, and each of the three goals were timely, crucial goals, uh, either giving the Islanders the lead or, or padding it. You know that, and that's that's definitely. I'm, I'm not talking like you know they were up th- three goals and they got a fourth. They were up a goal. They needed a, a, some insurance and they they got it. Um, what are you seeing on the power play? Because it's been clearly much better. Movement. Oh, yeah. They're moving I'm glad their you said feet. It. They're moving the puck. They're getting bodies in front. That's, you, and you that's know, the biggest thing to me is that I've noticed the bodies in front. Yeah, and that was that first guard. I think there was two. Was it Peugeot and somebody else? Or, and, and Palmier? There was somebody in front. There was two bodies Peugeot in front in of that fr- first uh, Bavillier in game one. That's how he scored. He was, you know, it was a deflection. He was in front. They're just um, getting I, bodies and they're moving. Right. And, and that, that's the thing that I that I like the most about when Noah Dobson's out there. I do have to say I really enjoy him as the power play quarterback because, you know, I, I think Ryan Pollock, as great of a of a defenseman as he is for the Islanders, when it comes to the power play, he's hesitant. And Dobson is just shuffling pucks out there, man. He's just he's making quick decisions, crisp, smart passes. Um and, and you know it's it's forcing defenders out of their lanes, and that's what yeah. they need to do. You know, I think Dobson be- Dobson doesn't really have any body of work to go off of, and like, are right, I'm confident I'm not with the puck. Pulak is gripping a stick a little too tight. I think. I right. mean, he's he's scoring some goals in the playoffs. Thankfully, I think he's got two, if not three, at this point. Yeah, it's that's the part where I think he's just overthinking things. Where Dobson's like. This is my role on this team. This is how we can be successful. And then when you start getting a little bit of that, he's taking shots, he's making plays, he's moving his feet a little bit. I, yeah. I mean, he's a slightly different style than Pulak, although they both have a pretty good offensive prowess. Um, I think Dobson's just not thinking as much. And he's a young guy, he can't. Yeah. He's got to go out there and just play confident, where I think Pulak, who has been on this team for some time now, this is his fifth season, if I'm not mistaken, something like that, sixth, fifth, sixth season. Um, 
I think he's overthinking it. He had a, you know, he's having a season like none other before on top of all the other stressors going on. Yeah. And he might just be over. He just, yeah, he's overthinking it, gripping the stick too tight. Yeah. Um, going into game three, what did, what did the Islanders need to do? Uh, any, any thoughts on, on how they take game three at Nassau Coliseum? I think the energy from the crowd, I think what you said before is perfect. And I wasn't going to say that earlier because I knew you were going to ask this question. Um, I, I think a scoreless first period, uh, or the Islanders up at least one nothing. It keeps that crowd into it, and they get you know huge momentum within that game. Um, they need to play like they did in Game Two. It, other than the two goals late, and you know one of them being a power play goal, and I didn't see the penalty either. They can, they they need to play full sixty minutes, and they yeah. pretty much did that. I, I'd say they they were they were yeah. playing much more of a complete game. Even there the weren't OT. really any lapses, even the OT. So I think. They were making a lot less mistakes. The neutral zone regroups were a little bit better. They they were kind of able to control the puck. Barzell got a little bit more room. They were playing their brand of hockey, which means that they were controlling the tempo. And that's what they said over and over on, on that NBC broadcast. Yeah. The Islanders are in full control of this game. Yep. And look, good teams are going to come back. It's the playoffs. They're desperate. All this kind of stuff. They Bruins know they have to go back to, to Long Island. They have to go to Long Island. They have to go to the barn. It's going to be loud. They're going to have the crowd on their side, you know, against them. They're going to be on the Islanders' side. If the, if the Islanders in Boston take one on the road and split that and win game two, it's a huge. It's a momentum shift. Oh, yeah. Um, going into that game, I know Trotz and a lot of other people don't necessarily believe in that, but it is when you're going to the barn. I think I fully believe it when it's actually. Oh, you know, and Trotz knows it too. That's why he calls them the sixth man. The six bands. So it's, you know, maybe there's not momentum so much between games one and two, but maybe between two and three going back to the barn, knowing yeah. that at this point, there's at least there could, uh, there's at least two more games there, right? If they win one there, there's at least, there's two more after that at the, at the very least. Um, yeah, I, I really think it comes down to just playing a full 60 minutes and playing their brand of hockey. Yeah. I think they need to copy the blueprint from game two plus the 60 minutes, right? They they didn't get off to a hot start. It's going to be Barlamov. Well. They, they and they hoop. didn't end well. So it was like on either side of the of oh, the, okay. of, of the game they didn't, you know, like they played a good like 50 minutes and then the last yeah. the first five and the last five weren't great. Yeah. So you, you need Barlamov because it's going to be him in game 3. You need him to be sharp early. You need the Islanders to come out skating, moving their feet. Um you know, kind of like kind of like they did in game 1. In game one, they came out real well, and then they, I don't know, shit the bed. But uh, they need to now combine those efforts, and they need to to make it uh, happen in game three. And, and I, I could see that happening with the the roar of the crowd behind them. 12,000 fans? Is it, is it still 12,000, or are they up it again? I'm not sure. They were trying to pack more people in if they were vaccinated in certain sections and yeah. and things like that. So we, we will see. Um, 12,000, I mean capacity is under 14 it's in the 13s if i'm not mistaken almost full capacity. So it'll, be, it'll be full capacity the islanders will need that it'll, it'll be intimidating like for the bruins i mean they the bruins had their their stadium pretty much backed out at around you know between whatever it was say, around yeah. eighteen thousand. um so yeah I, th- I think it could be a big factor but they need I, I think your point is well made they need to they need to not let it go in the first five minutes right absolutely um, Jake DeBrusque fined five thousand dollars for cross-checking uh, Scott Mayfield uh, to the back of the head. Uh, dangerous play. Don't know how there wasn't a penalty called on it. Um, That's and what listen, I'm saying. 
Here's the thing. I get not wanting to water down the sport, but when we're making dangerous plays out there that could clearly hurt, uh, uh, you know, somebody, you know, permanently, that's got to be something that they that they um, address in the game. I don't know how we're getting to after the game. And I don't also know that I love only a $5,000 slap on the wrist because that's what, $20, Sam? Yeah, I don't know what his salary is. I, I'm... The argument that I just keep making is how the the Department of Players Safety and the and the team of officials in this league are so wildly on different pages. How can I don't is officiating is making ensuring the game is safe that the players are safe that there's no egregious plays they follow the rules and all that kind of stuff. How that's not a call on the ice? Yeah, and then the league is like, no, that's a fine. It's both. It could be a penalty and no fine. Yeah. It's a fine. It should have been a call on the ice. And it's concerning to me that the officials aren't calling it based on safety of the players. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, just a couple, maybe maybe even less than a minute later, the Islanders were penalized and it resulted in the game tying goal. So yeah, it's so, just. And then was Mayfield, maybe, you know, uh, Mayfield miss, misses a couple of shifts because of that. They got to check him out. Maybe he's yeah. a little, you know, get bonked in the head like that maybe you, you missed a couple shifts there um it ruins the rotation it, it just sucks i don't the if, if um i think don lish from the athletic had a an article early in the playoffs about the officiating and how much it, it was a joke and what i don't think that's the word he used but he wasn't happy with it i i agree i agree with that i i don't understand how it's so inconsistent yeah they, they let him go they don't let him go it's coincidentals the guy reacts, and then it's all of a sudden coincidentals. Meanwhile, the, yeah. the initial play should have been called something. Right. Or you should have ripped him away. You had the linesman come up right to him. Don't let him get to that point where Martin's going to come in and do, you know, it, it, there were a couple of plays for the Islanders that were really frustrating in that Penguin series where they were like getting goaded into this stuff. Right. Um, even Pellick at the end of the first period, you know, going right after whoever that Richie, who's a real pain in the ass, um, he's doing his job. You know, and Joe McLeod was like, if Richie takes out, or Richie, whoever it was, takes out Pellick, he did his job. That's yeah. what he's there to do. And it's so frustrating that they don't just just call it. Because if you're going to call coincidentals, then that means, so where's the first penalty for the, the guy who did it? You know, I don't understand how, well, I don't understand the order of how everything happens. Yeah, I hate you know, those. If Pellick those- reacts... To the, and then they both get penalties. Then the first one was a fucking penalty, right? That's what I don't I understand don't. why you're waiting for them to even it up so that it's like, all right, it's not unfair. And that's like the conversation we had earlier this season, right? With that yeah. guy in Nashville, the ref in Nashville. Oh, it's all even up calls and this, and I don't like him. And they're, they're making it easy for us to point it out. It's such it's absurd to on me. On top when of the not safety aspect of it, it's just bullshit how they do it. Yeah, it's like it's absurd to me when there's two guys who are are maybe you know, jawing off at each other. One of them will drop their mitts, but the other one doesn't. And the rush jump in before, but the guy who didn't drop his mitts ends up in the box. Somehow he didn't do anything. You know, maybe, maybe a little bit of trash talk, but nothing crazy. It, well, it they're both pushing each other. Not even pushing. It's not like, even not pushing. Even, yeah. There's that stuff too. I'm just like, I don't, I just don't understand how it's like one guy gets goaded in and they both get it. It's like, well, exactly. the first one, if they, if the players knew, if Pelic knew, that that he was actually going to get a call, he would eat it. Every player would. They would just eat the stupid players doing stupid shit. 
Yeah. But they, not knowing that that's going to be the call and almost knowing I got to draw back or else we're just going to take this all night. Yeah. It's bullshit. I don't, I don't understand the logic there. And it's like, okay, well, again, we want to make the game safe, but we're going to actually encourage players to retaliate and be mad at one another and actually want to go hurt the other person. Yeah. And then, and then call the penalty. That's not controlling the game. It's not policing the game. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I'll never understand it. Yeah. Crazy to me. But DeBrusque fined $5,000 for cross-checking. Yeah. Is what it is. I don't know if that that's because of the reason that's the max fine. I don't really know how much I agree with the uh, decision, but is what it is. I, I'm pretty sure DeBrusque has been in trouble before. Yeah, it's, um, it's like the, you know, if you watch 30 Rock, it's Tracy Jordan. He's like, oh, I can just do whatever I want and then just pay the fine. Yeah. You know, is that what's happening? Is yeah. that enough to, as a, um, I guess. You know, <sighs> yeah. We'll talk about whatever. more suspensions a little bit later. Um, but game three on Thursday night, 7 30 uh, p.m. Um, they also just announced game five on Monday is at 6 30 p.m. So I know you and I were surprised by that <laughs> surprise 6 30 start uh, the last time they had that. And uh, yeah, it was this, embarrassing. this upcoming Monday, they will be uh, starting at 6 30 again, uh, but not before they have a game in between then on uh, Friday, Saturday. I don't know. I, I work uh, in the media. I know what I'm doing. Anyway, uh, this is kind of around the rank, so let's just get to around the rank. But I do want to bring up that free agency question for you. Um, it looks as though Seth Jones is headed to free agency. And as much as it would be difficult to do, let's put money aside um, and just, you know, the pure fact, let's just say Lou Lamorello decides I want in on Seth Jones. Is that something that tickles your fancy? There are a lot of players that I'll let you finish your thought. Well, my, my thing is, you know, the Islanders, Pelic and Pulak pair is, in my opinion, elite. As individual players, I don't know that they're that elite status that maybe Seth Jones can bring to the table. So yeah, but that's the entire Islanders team. They, they do the lack a true number one defenseman. Could that be a huge thing that the, you know, a, a huge uh, asset for the Islanders moving forward? Well, I'd ask, do they need it or do they need to get Devin Taves back? Different question, <laughs> well, different question, but well, he's going to be expensive. I know yeah. you said money aside. I want to know, and I guess I don't know enough about his game and how he's in the locker room and all this other stuff. I don't know. Is he the type of player that fits in with the culture of the team? I, I honestly don't know. And that's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I don't want to say unfortunately, because it's a good, um, they're obviously, you know, they're making it to the second round three years in a row. It's a lot more than other teams can say. So not only are they making the playoffs, but they're, you know, finding a way to be somewhat consistent. Um, you know, the character of these players is a big deal to this room, right? Like you got to find the fact that Kyle Palmieri can come in and tra Travis Zajac, even Sorokin last year and um, Varlamov in the beginning. You know, you, you have new players on this team and they're they're either getting embraced or they're not. You're seeing who's coming back and who's not. And not to say that Broussard was a poison in the room and that's what caused them to, you know, it's, you know, they're able to kind of pick and choose who can come in. Wallstrom comes in like you're, they're kind of phasing players in and there's a certain chemistry 
So I, yeah. I don't, I, that's where I question it. Obviously on paper, if I'm playing NHL 21, yeah, I want Seth Jones on my team, right? Like that's good. <laughs> but the, that's the theory part the in practice part. I, I don't know. Um, I think playing for a team like the Islanders and having structure and an and ownership coming from uh, Columbus with a, a coach that's too much of a hard ass and John Tortorella, the players got tired of going to a team with structure, a really close knit room. Maybe he really needs that. Um, some, you know, maybe that can turn it around. I don't know how Lamorello and Trotz make those decisions and how they try to figure that out and yeah. who can, who's actually going to work. Like, I don't know how you actually find out and they nail it. Like they're really yeah. making it like great decisions stroking aside because he was just pure talent. Like we'll shoehorn this in, you know. He doesn't speak English; it's fine. <laughs> but like, I don't but with the other players like Pajot. Like, I don't know how you find out. Like, yeah, he's the right guy. Like, yeah. you can hear anything from anybody and different players, but like, until you get, it's like starting any new job. You know, I'm going through that, just trying to find your own yeah. place and I mean, your own voice and stuff. Like, it's hard. It's hard to do that when when there's a very clear structure and chemistry between a bunch of people, and you're just like, yeah, hey, uh. I have I'm an Seth idea, and they're, and they're like, shut up, guy. Like, <laughs> we don't need you. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back on mute now. Like, they don't do that. But it's still like, I don't know how they do that. Like, I don't know how they mix these players in and make it work. Is Seth Jones that guy? On paper, yeah, of course. That's fantastic. It's like, right? imagine Seth Jones comes in. He's like, hey, the advanced analytics love me. Everyone's like, shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what that means. Don't bring your fancy book read in here. Don't be a smart guy. You know, just display good hacky character. Uh, chemistry, <laughs> you know, uh, hit him uh, early and had, and uh, you know, whatever Lamarall says. Uh, regardless, though, that is uh, another quote unquote superstar that's leaving Columbus. So you got to feel for their fans. That is embarrassing. It's so bad, especially if they let try, they let Torts walk after and after all these players. Like they didn't make the decision. Like they did, they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, tough Huge luck. yikes. Definitely. Uh, speaking of huge yikes, the Toronto Maple Leafs drop the series to the Montreal Canadiens, and the Habs are moving on to the second round. What an upset. A monumental meltdown. That is on, that's not even monumental at this point if you're a Leafs fan because that's just what happens. That's just what they do. And that, and that, I really want to one, and you can't close again, out that series again against <sighs> a team like they lost to Columbus last year, they lose to Montreal this year. These are teams; these are very beatable, very beatable teams. And listen, no, nothing against the Habs. They're a very say. good up and coming team. They got some young skill. That kid Caulfield can snipe. Nick Suzuki is a legitimate center. I like Jesper Kakaniemi, but that team had no business except riding the coattails of Carey Price, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs. But Price wasn't... I think Campbell had better numbers. He did, series. but Price was a friggin' monster when he had to be. I, yeah, and that's like what you said earlier, just like making the saves when you really when you shouldn't, and, if, and maybe yeah. that's what he did. I think that the Leafs are a really good example of you can put the best players out there, but if there's something not gelling... And they all... I mean, from... I, I you know, just being... Uh, taking in hockey media and consuming hockey media. It's a lot about Toronto. So you hear a lot about that's always what they yeah. kick off 31 thoughts about 
Steve Dangle, I think is funny. Some people think he's annoying. So I, you know, I listen to that podcast. There's like, I'm taking in a lot of Toronto stuff. There's something going on there. Yeah, like, it's tough. There's, and I think the big concern to me, right? Like you bring in Bogosian, who just won a cup. You brought in Thornton, who has a ton of experience. You still have Spets around. You brought in Wayne Simmons. None of that worked. None of that. You brought in TJ Brody, who's you know a, a whole lot of talent. Um, they lose John they lose Tavares. They lose Tavares, but even still, they have Matthews, who scored. He missed time, scored forty goals in fifty-six games. Not even because he missed. He missed those games. Um, Marner was top five in scoring. Yeah, uh, one goal between those two. One, and one. that's you know. So that was. The Leafs secondary scoring not stepping up, so that's your not secondary scoring, and Montreal just getting goals from throughout their lineup, and that's the Islanders and the Bruins. You're looking at on paper a really really good team, who their their top six will just snipe you to death, and the Islanders where they're all their lines kind of go through these lulls. Yeah, but you need your secondary scoring, and you or you need. Any kind of scoring to just boot, like come in and save the day. Yeah. Have these guys come in, have Palmieri score two goals, have Pajot have a day. Bavillier uh, has a time. Sezikis with an overtime goal. Uh, Varlamov shining when he needs to. That's how you're going to win games by committee. That's what this Islanders identity is all about. The Leafs just like don't have that. Like it's yeah. like if Matthews and Marner aren't going, it's just, it's all apart. Nylander was quiet. Tavares was obviously hurt. Uh, he was back on the ice, so that's good to see. And this is like early in the series, but he wasn't going to come back unless they made the second round. And you probably bet money that they weren't going to do that. You would have made a lot of money. But, um, so I think that's the difference. Like you just they there's something missing. There's something, yeah. and you know they change coaches. That kind of works. It's it's super weird. Um, but good on the Habs, and now the Jets and Habs, um, who I d- believe both were not the favorites. Coming in that coming going in this yeah a lot of people pick Edmonton to beat the uh to beat Um, the Jets again hundred points in fifty six games or whatever you wind up with at the end of the day and and McDavid like quiet in the playoffs and the NHL must be so mad that they lost Connor McDavid Leon Drysital Austin Matthews Mitch Marner Sidney Crosby Sidney Crosby Evgeny Malkin all out of the playoffs. They must be so mad that that, oh. that this is the way that – but this is the NHL. You cannot predict it, and there are no favorites. There's I never saw, a favorite. It's just not a thing. I saw a list of the, this is the top 10 highest-played players. Carey Price is the only one making more $10, $10 million or more and still in the playoffs. Yeah. That's insane. I don't know what that means. Frankly, I tried to die. I was like trying to analyze before. Well, it just looks bad. It just like these, it doesn't look good. All these bloated contracts are going to quote unquote superstars. So that's what that means. It means well, like, that you have, like the superstars uh, are gone. Yeah, you don't have Kane. There's no Taves. I mean, the Lightning are the only team with like some really big contract numbers with and guys that are like legit and the Avs. I mean, McKinnon's still in, and Jesus. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about him because Jesus, best player in the world. But yeah, Jeps and Habs coming out of the North. I think the Jets are gonna have fun with the with the Habs. I I, I think there are much. That's a better. goalie duel. It is a goalie I, duel. I think the Jets kind of come. I out I think there, the yeah. Jets come out big time in in that series. Um, 
you know, I, I could see the the Jets riding uh, Hellebuck to the promised land. But uh, then you got the Canes and Bolts series in the Central, and that's an exciting one. You know, two high skilled teams. Bolts um, already up one nothing in that series. Yeah, Bolts are already up one nothing. Um, it, it's kind of time to see what the Canes are made of. You know, they they've been here before. Um, and it's time to see if they can take that next step. You know, Teravainen, a lot like the Islanders, a lot like, like the Islanders, but they have a lot of skill guys. Teravainen, Aho, Svechnikov. Um, you know, they're so they, young still. Like their goaltending is the difference, and that's why, right? You know, Vasilevsky is a you know Vezina candidate, which Varlamov was not listed as a Vezina candidate. Can't that's believe we just kind of like let that go. That's right. We um, should have mentioned that earlier. Samir Varlamov was not a Vezina candidate. Do you really care um, about that? Like I'm sure it's nice if he, if he wins it, right? Like I, I, I think he should have been nominated. I, th- I think it was a snub, but at the end of the day, and, and I'm not saying this is a guarantee. I'm not saying this is a lock. But if he's racing a cup, I don't think he cares. <laughs> you oh know? no, I don't think any player cares about that. Yeah, like, so you want to be part of your team's success and and win did, trophies and have hardware, but he did have the numbers to be there over you know maybe Philip Grubauer. Honestly, Grubauer could have stayed. Grubauer could have stayed. Vasilevsky probably should have been excluded. Even despite him, I think he won last season. His numbers were not as good. So, but I digress. Um, let's talk about Avs Knights. And holy crap, did Nathan McKinnon take over Game One of that series and yeah. say, "This is my territory. This is I, my game." He is. I, I'm not kidding. At least tied with McK- McDavid for the best player in the league in the world. I think, I don't know, outside of the playoffs, and this is the difference, right? This is where McKinnon will, at the end of it, you know, you're going to be like, well, McDavid scored all these points and a ridiculous 100-point season in 50 games and this and that. And you're like, well, McKinnon has this hardware and this Stanley Cup and this thing, and he was always a top 10 scorer. You know, like, McDavid's probably going to make the whole fame. Like, we're not going to pretend happening, but... Very limited points in in his... And that's so that was my next point. It's It's... McKinnon does it consistently and does it in the playoffs. Granted, yeah. he's on the Colorado Avalanche with a very good support team and a you know Vezina candidate goaltender, um, you know good GM, the whole organization, blah blah blah. Okay, yeah, I can understand he's he's getting the support he needs to kind of be the superstar that he can be. Um, imagine McDavid, literally anywhere else, almost anywhere else anyway, and he probably you know. He has 150 points this season. If he has, you know, he doesn't have to split up dry sidle, you know, be yeah. apart from a dry sidle half the time or whatever the case was. And talk about a young team that is just on the rise. That team is so young and yeah. so good. McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog. And Landeskog is going to be a, a UFA, but I'm not going to doubt even a oh, little never. bit that that's going to happen. Absolutely. Um, you know, they get Brandon Saad. Uh, Kadri, who, by the way, appealed his eight-game suspension. I think he's got four games left. Um, that's still undecided. Um, Can we do, we're just going to go back to that safety question. They're literally, the CBA, the, the NHLPA was like, you know what we should do? You should be able to negotiate the severity of an injury or potential injury that you gave to somebody and the penalty in which you were served for that. I think they had like, to We're just going to lessen like safety? Nah. I think they had to Let do a- that. It comes. I think it comes down to legal rights as a person. You know, when you start messing yeah, with somebody's salary and stuff yeah, like that, I I did. I understand that to a point, 
until it's somebody's safety. Yeah. It no, wasn't like, it. look, I, get it. I don't want, He's um, a repeat offender I can't think too. of another, I, I can't think of another example. It's not like he flipped the bird in the middle of a game, you know, and you're like, all yeah. right, well, you know, it was like, you know, he like tried to really hurt somebody. No one at, at your job is going to be like, yeah, we well, should really negotiate your, 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 your suspension without pay because yeah. this reason, and he's a, nope, absolutely not. If it doesn't happen anywhere else in life, you don't all of a sudden just get these rights. You know, I well, just, the repercussion of that was Ryan Reeves, who uh, at one point was holding a piece of Ryan or a couple pieces of Ryan Graves' hair uh, in, in, at the end of that last game. Um, and uh, he, he received a two-game suspension. So Ryan Reeves is out for the next two games. Uh, and so the and same thing that, that Tom Wilson does, he gets the, the suspension. Why? What is the difference between these, these things? Yeah, I, I have no, I have no, I have no idea. Not quite sure. It's it's not like it wasn't as visible. Um, it's not like these guys are both don't have a history of that. I even sort of joke like, if only there were guys like Ryan Reeves out there to police guys like Ryan Reeves. Yeah, you know what? You just take him out of the game, and you don't have to worry about this. Yeah, no one's no one's just going to do it, making dumb plays unless you have like a Brad Marchand licking people, or whatever. Right. Whatever he's going to do, you know, he still would slew foot somebody, and it's that's a dangerous play and all that, but. I don't understand, I don't understand the mind like the mindset of this. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know. But going back to the young players that the Avalanche have, they also have um Bowen Byron, but more more importantly, uh Kale McCarr, who's probably in my mind gonna be the best defenseman in the NHL as soon as next season. He is I, I next level good. Yeah, and that team is just setting their players up to succeed, and you know, like you bring in, you you added depth with Devin Taves. Yeah, I think that makes a huge difference. It takes McCarr, a lot of pressure off when you're playing without pressure. It's so good. McCarr is like the Nathan McKinnon of defensemen, and they have both of them. Yeah, they're they got a like up and down the lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if if they if they made it all the way. Um, yeah, if they're if they would be playing the North. So what's it's happening? Been, it's been solidified that in a year where anything could have happened, we're still going to get an East versus East uh, and, and a West versus West in, in the semis. So it, it will be whoever we, the Avs and Knights Islanders and or the Avs. Bruins will be facing the Lightning or the Canes and the Leafs or the Habs will be facing the Jets or the Habs. I'm sorry. The Jets or the Habs will be facing the, uh, Knights or the Avs. So, so if the Avs make it, really, both any either one of those teams, if either one of those teams make it out, well, they will, and they're playing the Jets or the Habs, they're going to walk all over them. That's not even I, close. I would not doubt it, but that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. But uh, I think we're good to wrap this episode up with a pretty bow there, John. Uh, I, I'd say I finished yeah. my beer kind of a while ago. <laughs> it's late. Yeah, so, I'm trying to try to wrap it up here. I <laughs> uh, just want to give a quick thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network, the Hockey Writers, and of course, all of you, our listeners. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Nasserman Hockey, and find our work at the Hockey Writers. Uh, game three Thursday night. Get ready, and until next time, everybody, let's go Islanders. <laughs>